The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And we are loaded up. Plenty to talk about with college football and the playoff expansion. Uh, well, the ink, the pin's not out. The ink isn't dry, but it looks like there's something to sign for the powers that be in college football. Pressers just gotten underway with kind of the four architects, uh, Notre Dame's AD and Conference commissioners from the SEC and Big 12 and uh, some of the, the minds that have put this together. So 12 sounds like the number. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. We'll get into it. The topic of beer, thanks to Iowa. Iowa is moving forward and it is uh, going to be a beer fest in Kinnick. Well, maybe. The point is you have a chance to buy a tall one for an exceptional price. Uh, it's been past time to let that happen. Memorial Stadium. We'll spend some time on that and a big visit weekend uh, looms for Nebraska football this weekend. We'll get into all of it. Parker Gabriel going to be with us from the Lincoln Journal Star in about 20 minutes. Gary Barnett will have perspective on all of these things. The coach with us in one hour. And then some more insight on Chase Androff, the tight end who committed to Nebraska earlier this week, a standout player from uh, Lakeview, Minnesota, Lakeville, Minnesota. Lakeville South head coach Ben Burke will be with us at 525. And then no relation, the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke. Burke's best bets at 540. Get in. Number to dial up is 466-3776-46637-76-80-825-5865. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So we can go a lot of different directions. We'll Split it down the middle. We're going to start with the college football playoff. This seems sound to me. Is more going to be better? We shall see. Uh, they're, they're, they're being preemptive. They being the minds of college football. Uh, they are ahead of this because when it comes to rights and money and TV contracts, that expires in 2025, 2026. They need to bring more college football to viewers, You need more viewers, and right now you've got a couple of teams in the Big Ten, mainly Ohio State, knocking on that door every year. You have Clemson, you have Alabama, and then there's either an Oklahoma or Notre Dame, and once in a great blue moon, somebody out of the Pac-12. But you're not getting the West Coast. The Big 12's 
been been left out a large part of the time, and you have this complaint of, well, the best teams aren't in that number four spot. You're taking a conference chance more champ more times than not. Aside from when you got Alabama and Georgia, Alabama not being the conference champion the year they rematched with Georgia, and 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 won. Uh, one of Saban's several titles. So, does 12 make sense? The way they've got this set up to me, six of your top-ranked conference champs, not Power 5, but your top-ranked six conference champs. So, if you think Central Florida, or back in the day Houston, or back in the day Temple, right? Pick a pick a group of five, or a BYU, or a Notre Dame is more deserving than say a Pac-12 champion or a Big 12 champion with multiple losses or even a Big 10 champ that say lost to a 6-7 and seven Purdue team, they'll have that option, right? It's just going to be your six best uh, champs that uh, are from a, from a conference, six at large spots, and your four top teams, your four top ranked conference champs will get a bye. So you're going to have a 5 through 12 kind of quarterfinal setup that will be played at host sites. So say you look at last year, a 5-12 matchup would have been A&M Coastal Carolina. That would have been in College Station. 6-11 would have been Oklahoma, Indiana. The Sooners would have hosted because they'd have been the higher seed. Iowa State would have traveled to Florida. Would have loved to see that. Georgia would have taken on Cincinnati. Fickle's crew, uh, I think, maybe could have made things interesting. And then from there, you go to the semis at uh, at two of your, your bowl sites, okay? And uh, and then you have your, your, your neutral site championship game. Don't know where the Rose Bowl in is in all of this because the Rose Bowl is pretty adamant about January 1st. Uh, they want to split things up, it sounds like, between January 1st and January 2nd. But listen, there's no limit to the number of conference participants, so you're not ceilinged at just two Big Ten teams, okay? Uh, you're going to get the, the effect of pretty much a play-in uh, for your conference championship game. And I think, you know, how well do you do in a good division, right? Uh, we can talk a lot about the West not being the East and the Big Ten, but the point is this, if you win the West, I think you've got a good shot at being one of the at-large teams. If you're in Iowa, if you're a Minnesota, uh, if you're a Wisconsin, someday if you're a Nebraska, you win the West and do okay in the conference title game and say that's maybe only your second loss, I think it's okay. Now, Brad Edwards with his College Football Insider made a great argument, can't really pick that apart much, of eight but they want more. 12 seems to fan out uh, more parts of the country. This will be a better argument. More is going to be better. More is going to mean more money. And uh, that's the direction they're going to go. And uh, let's see how it shakes out. At least we're moving in the right direction, more inclusion. But I think there are some really good football teams, Elijah, that in past years Uh, have gotten left out. Last year, I think Indiana could have gone toe-to-toe with a lot of football teams. I think Oklahoma 
was a good ball club last year. Iowa State was a good football team. Now, granted, they got to a Fiesta Bowl, but that Iowa State team last year <laughs> was was better than a Fiesta Bowl. If they would have had a chance to, to make a run or get in position for a playoff appearance, well, now they will with an expanded postseason. This is set to go in 2023. An interesting little note here is I wonder if this is the, the impetus that causes Notre Dame to finally jump ship to a conference because we learned today that only conference champions can earn a first round buy in this college football playoff the top four uh conference you, you, champions you have to be a conference champ and if you're not in, in a, a conference, conference then you're an independent and an independent gets to be where they get to be on the road you may be the higher seed but if you're an independent BYU Notre Dame guess what you're going to be playing. You're not excluded, but you're going to be on the road. <laughs> you're going to be on the road. So that's uh, that's a little flexing that's going on, and I'm okay with it. Now, does Notre Dame join the ACC? I mean, they're already dating, as we, as we clean it up for radio. They're already dating the ACC. They're in the Big East for basketball, aren't they? Are they in the ACC? I don't know, dude. It, it's been years. I don't care. But well, I just, I just, I just don't. You don't, yeah. I mean, I just, where's Notre Dame at? Are they in the NCAA tournament? Cool, right? For basketball, but for football, they've been good, and their schedule stands up because their schedule's already pretty much littered with either a, a Big Ten, a Clemson, and a, and a USC. So, what does this do to the Pac-12? Does the Pac-12 kind of step up their game, or is it still just kind of USC and Oregon's to lose? Is Arizona State on the horizon? What's going to happen in Boulder? You know, does Colorado kind of recapture some magic? Does Arizona ever become worth a damn again? And what about Stanford? Wasn't that long ago? Stanford was 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 pretty awesome going to Rose Bowls when they were uh, fist fighting Oregon in in seventeen to fourteen ball games on a Thursday night. So there's opportunity. But this is good for the Big Ten because I think in most years, you can for sure get two in this playoff if you're the Big Ten. And in some years, you could have gotten three, right? Think back to to when Michigan State and Iowa back in 2015 when they played for the, for the uh, Big Ten championship. Michigan State went to the college football playoff with that lone loss being to Nebraska. Iowa went to the Rose Bowl and got Christian McCaffrey. But Iowa and Michigan State were two playoff teams, and you could have probably made an argument for Ohio State. A lot of years you could make an argument for Ohio State, Penn State, that loser, and probably Wisconsin. Now, you're going to get whoever finishes second in the SEC West as the argument and you're going to get uh, the SEC East champion. So it's going to go head-to-head with, all right, how many SEC and, and Big Ten teams fill up this, uh, this, remaining, uh, sp- this remaining option of, of eight other teams? I mean, you got to expect that every single year still, we're going to still have Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State in there. Plus, give me another two SEC teams that are probably going to make it, and that's five. So you have 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 six. Right. So, I mean, half the field could be Big Ten and SEC teams. And I want to see those games. I'm I'm with you on that. I want to see those games played in Big Ten country. I want to see those games played on the home sites. Well, they could be. And and you're also seeing, though, I mean, you're seeing Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Lambeau. I mean, it's not December or November matchups. But you're seeing you're seeing some really fun kind of interconference showdowns, and you've always seen that as the non-conference draw 
all right, here's your measuring stick game week three. Who are you taking on? And Nebraska's been pretty aggressive with what they have on the docket. Oklahoma the next couple of years, Tennessee in a few years. Cincinnati has been scheduled, but COVID wiped that out. As long as Fickle's there, Cincinnati's going to be for real. And, you know, Nebraska's had had good years where they've they've played Oregon, you know, in a home-and-home. And I know those were down years for Oregon. Uh, but they get a Washington on the schedule. You know, let's let's see something uh, from a Big 12 standpoint beyond Oklahoma. Let's see a, an Iowa State. Uh, let's see a, a Texas, right? Do you, do you hook up with A&M? I know the schedule's filled out for, for years to come, but, you know, that's just kind of my wish list. Also on my wish list, it would have been cool to have a legal drink in Memorial Stadium at some point. Iowa moving forward with beer sales. So Iowa, if you've been in premium seating, you've been able to to have a cocktail at Kinnick Stadium. And really the only three schools that don't sell alcohol or beer or wine at all, Nebraska, Northwestern, Michigan. At some point, everyone else in the Big Ten's taken the plunge. Minnesota, uh, the first to do it when they opened, uh, what's the TPC Bank? So they opened the new stadium with a beautiful skyline of downtown Minneapolis. They started selling beer in Minnesota in 2012. They're, they're making about $1.3 million annually on that. Ohio State followed in 2016, $1.2 million. Maryland uh, was selling beer and wine before they became a member of the Big Ten, but they've been doing it since 2015. Purdue started in 2017. Rutgers, Illinois, and Indiana also sell beer and wine. Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, they uh, allow alcohol sales and premium seating only. And there's a study that was done by Ohio State back in 2014. And, you know, when it came to, to imbibing, and getting loaded and then getting tossed out of the shoe. They had about 270 uh, fans get launched in 2014. Well, you, you fast forward after taking control of alcohol ability in 2017, that, 260, that 269 drops to 87. So you can have more control of, of, of alcohol sales. And, you know, Iowa did a study back in 2010 saying, look, man, 70% of our students are exhibiting at-risk drinking behavior. <laughs> that means it's time to slam 47 beer bongs before kickoff so he can't feel the cold wind and then go out at halftime. I mean, you're, you're just binging. You're just you're, you're mass-consuming uh, before you go in because you can't when you go in. Flip that around and make it more casual where you can have a cocktail while you watch warm-ups. You can have one in the first quarter. Uh, depending on how that first quarter goes, you might need a second one at halftime. And then you, you have one or two more uh, responsibly, of course, uh, before the fourth quarter happens. What I don't want is insane student section to have access to bottles or cans to start uh, checking out their shot put distance. There's no tap or beer or can availability near the south student section at Iowa. That's That's been a no-no. You want a beer, 
great. Get off your backside and go find one. Mm-hmm. And I actually have some personal experience at Kinnick, which is kind of fun. They're, they're south side of their stadium. Literally across the street is a whole row of these houses, which is literally just like Nebraska's North Bottoms. Okay. So all these students come rent these out during the school year, and they just have them as like their our, our, our pregame houses where they can go to before the game. And it's, I mean, it's. So you just go across the street, you go into the student section, and, and you get your fill pre-game across the street. Yeah, I mean, it's literally a two-minute walk from the student section gate. That's not an exaggeration. It's right there. So it's like us going from Longwells to PBA. Yes. Okay. No different. I mean, they don't have to walk across a bridge or anything. So, I mean, the drinking is happening, and I think, if I'm correct here, I think they have a re-entry in the student section at Kinnick. I think they're allowed to leave and come back at half if they were to choose. So why not just sell it in the stadium? <laughs> yeah, I need, a, I need a butt heavy and a heater. Please stamp my right palm. <laughs> Oh, yay, sweet. We got the we got the gold Hawkeye uh, stamp on the palm. We'll talk to Parker Gabriel about this. And, you know, uh, the, 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 the main roadblock has been, you know, past leadership at Nebraska, just not wanting anything to do with it. And that's their prerogative in the name of safety. But the, the time is is past. You've got the, the, the suites. You've got the North Stadium. You're going to continue to make upgrades from a fan experience standpoint. I think Nebraska fans can handle it. And quite frankly, Nebraska fans have needed the stiff drink uh, watching the game the last five years here at the stadium. Parker Gabriel's next. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for hanging out. Gary Barnett here, less than an hour away. Parker Gabriel with us now, Lincoln Journal star and Husker Extra PG, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Parker, you get to make the call. Beer, liquor, wine. All three are at Memorial Stadium in five years. What beer are you putting on tap? Oh, man. Gosh, that's a good question. What beer am I putting? I'm putting a lot of beers on tap. Uh, Your answer is yes. <laughs> yes, please. Um, I think you need a nice variety for the people. You know, you're going to need a lager. You, you know, you need a clean drinker for the masses. Um, don't go anywhere these days without there being an IPA on tap. So, okay. you know, you're going to have that. Uh, then you got to mix it up. You know, I mean, like if I was a patron at Memorial Stadium, or frankly, from my perch in the press box, like if it's a if it's a November afternoon, you know, it's a two thirty kick. It's going to get dark. Um, you know, like I would, I'll take a stout. Yeah. You know, yeah. nice. give me, a, you know, give me. A, I can't think of a good. There's a lot. There's actually give a me lot an Oktoberfest. Give me a give me a Heck sweet yeah. Oktoberfest. Yeah, but you're telling me that you're telling me that on the day, you know, when Iowa's in town on Black Friday, and, and maybe you're you wake up feeling less than a hundred percent. You're telling me that you wouldn't want to head over to the stadium and have some cinnamon rolls and chili and a stout for a one p.m. kickoff. That sounds pretty good to me. You know what I'm saying? I need the big red Bloody Mary. I need the big red <laughs> Bloody Mary station. Extra spicy. Give me a pickle. Need an olive and lots of Tabasco. Yeah, there you go. That well, that yeah, it'll help you keep you warm. That's for sure. That's the point. Parker Gabriel's with us. Parker, you know, we look at what the, the story, you know, from the athletic with with Iowa moving forward with with beer sales and they're moving beyond premium premium seating uh, ability to to have alcohol to 
the masses. You know, you have experience in the rest of the Big Ten. Kind of compare Nebraska and Wisconsin here with, and I know you, you can't drink legally in the student section at Wisconsin, <laughs> but they've been good yeah. at it for a while, uh, just like Nebraska's student section. But do you see Wisconsin and, and, and some of the other Big Ten teams following, you know, what what uh, Iowa did today? And, you know, what, do you even have a timeline? Can you make up a timeline for when Nebraska revisits this? No, I don't. I mean, I don't know about a timeline. I mean, you know, Bill, Bill Moose has been pretty consistent in saying this over his time here, which – is essentially my time covering the program and the athletic department, um, that it's something that they're always thinking about. It's always in the conversation um, along with the sort of fan experience, but it's not on the front burner. I just, I don't, it feels inevitable to me. I, I don't know what that means. If that means a year or two years or 10 years or after a more, thorough stadium renovation or what I honestly don't it wouldn't shock me if it was if it if it happened soon and it wouldn't ha- it wouldn't shock me if there if it, you know the holdout was for a while still I think it's fair to say that the conversation is going to be more about fan experience than it's going to be about revenue I mean they're going to make money you're going to make money off of it but there's a lot of cost that goes into it too and it's it's not as simple i've said this before it's not as simple as just um you know throwing a couple kegs behind the concession stand (laughs) counter and saying okay here we go Mm -hmm. um it it's it's going to take startup there's going to be upfront cost uh and all that i really think it's more about you know what what are you what options are you giving fans um, in the building and and I don't know I haven't read a lot about Iowa's decision but I think that's going to be a major part of the conversation um, especially you know coming back towards something like normal here as we we try to get past the pandemic and and hope for full stadiums this fall and all that I mean the proof is going to be in the pudding about whether people are back in droves or whether it's you know, tougher or, you know, then if it lasts, you know, you get, you're going to get a bump in, in interest for sure, probably right out, out of the gate, but, but can you sustain it after that? And that may be when that, that question, you know, the urgency behind that question, um, you know, increases a little bit. Parker Gabriel's with it, talking some football and uh, with the Journal Star at Husker Extra PG. So do you have a number in mind or are you good with uh, the college football minds that are moving forward with 12? Were you eight? Do you like four? Did you want six? Do you care? Yeah, I don't really care. I think it needs to expand. I, I totally understand why 12 is the number that conferences can get behind. I mean, it's, you know, like if we're being honest about it, the SEC is sitting there thinking, hey, there's years where they know they've got two in where you could make an argument. You know, they make the argument they should have three in in a four a system where it's four. So if you expand to eight and you take six conference championships, six conference champions, like it's harder for an at-large SEC team probably to get into an eight-team tournament than it is to get into a four-team tournament, or it's just as hard at least. So uh, it's not surprising to me that the 12, um, you know, it's obviously picked up steam fast. I'm not saying I didn't 
I didn't necessarily see it coming, but as I, as you read about it and as you hear people talk about it and then it get recommended this afternoon, um, it's not a big surprise. I don't think that 12 is a number that sort of like everyone can get on board with. There's still a lot to shake out about it, but um, 12 seems like the future. And, uh, you know, that they said, the, the, the committee said this afternoon it won't be this year or next year, but you have a hard time believing once the wheels are in motion that it, that it would go longer than 2023 before this would be in place. Well, it, it'll be interesting, and there's been years where you can make a hard argument for your either your your runner-up in the Big Ten East and whoever falls in the Big Ten championship game. I mean, Parker, there's been years where, okay, Ohio State, Penn State, and either Iowa or Wisconsin or or, or, or even Minnesota one year, you know, you go back a couple of years where, where the Big Ten could have had three. I think there's a, a, a large cry for whoever follows behind Alabama, right, in the SEC West. Yep. Uh, whoever gets whacked in the SEC championship game and maybe somebody that had a nice year in the SEC East. But I'm just wondering, you know, if the Pac-12 steps their game up, uh, it doesn't sound like by default that that Power 5 all get the automatic nod, right? I mean, if you've right. got a, a group of five, i.e. I, a Central Florida out there that's a better ball club than your Pac-12 champ, I'm glad that there's some some ability to be flexible here. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, you could see it's like this past year, you know, you've got a, if you've got a UCF or a Memphis, uh, you know, in, in the American, and then with a team like Coastal Carolina uh, or BYU, I mean, yeah, you could find, there are years when you could find six conference champions that don't include, you know, a champion from one of the Power Five schools. Now, the only one realistically at this point in that boat is the Pac-12, and you figure that's probably not going to happen to them in most years. But I do think there are definitely times where I remember, was it a few years ago, um, you know, Penn State took Ohio State to the wire, mm-hmm. um, and then Ohio State, I think, ended up playing a, 12, a 12-0 Wisconsin team in the Big Ten championship game. So you feel a lot better in, in this scenario if you're that Penn State team, you know, if you're a a one or two loss. Like if you're an obvious at this point, what we would call like an obvious new year six bowl candidate Mm -hmm. in a power conference, um, your odds of making a 12 team playoff are a lot higher. It's not even in the conversation at this point. Um, It's a lot higher under that, under that, you know, proposed system. So there are some quirks like the Notre Dame thing where they can't host because they don't play in a conference is interesting um, the home site, like, you know, yeah, it's great if you get a buy, but then you don't get to host a, a game on campus. That's too bad. So there's a lot of things to be ironed out. But overall, uh, I'm not shocked that this is the model that, that has the most consensus. Parker, I want to get your quick take on, uh, you know, Big uh, Red Weekend Part 2 this weekend. Uh, you've got a uh, number of visitors this weekend. What are you looking for? This weekend from Nebraska, one commit Androff from last weekend. Can Nebraska put another good foot forward here this weekend? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And they've got a bunch of guys. Obviously, you know, they're still in that wave where it's all guys that they're really high on. I mean, that's typically the deal with official visitors anyways. But, you know, you got some interesting, a uh, couple of interesting guys on offense with um, Ashton Hayes, the running back, you know, kind of slot man running back from, from Reno, Nevada. 
who can really run, and, and Grant Page, a wide receiver from Boulder, Colorado. Uh, and then a bunch of guys on defense, Tyler Martin, the linebacker from the East Coast, and Avery Powell, a defensive back from New Jersey, Marquise Williams, a Florida guy, and, and Hayden Schwartz, another Florida guy, defensive lineman. So it's an interesting group. And then like simultaneously, you've got a bunch of guys, again, working out on campus um, this this weekend, Friday for sure, um, trying to earn offers. Uh, and then you've also got a group, you know, that visited last week, like a, a Richard Torres, Landon Sampson. You've got some guys who are – are taking another visit and then and then might be done with visits, you know that sort of situation. So players all across the spectrum to uh, keep an eye on, from guys that have already visited to guys that are visiting this weekend, guys that are trying to earn offers this week. Um, it's it's uh, it continues to be a very busy month. Parker, you mentioned uh, Richard Torres. Do you think he's Nebraska's guy at quarterback in this uh, class of twenty twenty two? Well, he's in the driver's seat right now. I think that's the best way to say it. He's already been on campus. Uh, the day after he left campus, he worked out at a camp at SMU in, in Dallas, and Mario Verduzco was down there to watch him. A couple other uh, coaches were down there watching other guys, too. And so, yeah, I mean, the ball's in his court, basically. He's visiting Kansas State this weekend. Uh, Nebraska has an official on the books um, with A.J. Bianco from Hawaii. Um, it's not this weekend. It's next weekend. So, you know, they've, they've always only taken one quarterback in a class and um, nothing to suggest that, that Richard Torres doesn't have the green light. So uh, if, if Richard Torres wraps up that Kansas State official visit and, and decides that he wants to be a Cornhusker, uh, my guess is that, you know, that's a decision that, that would be made quickly, um, just given that there's another quarterback that they like who's coming to campus um, you know, not this week, but next week. So uh, I, I still think, I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, you know, that the dominoes have started falling. I still think Nebraska comes out of June uh, with its quarterback and just with the timing of all of this, it, it would seem like, now it's no guarantee, but it would seem like, you know, it would happen in the next 10 days. Parker, we'll get caught up soon. Thanks for jumping in with us today. Yep, have a good weekend, guys. All right, Parker Gabriel with us. Uh, We'll talk uh, Will Bolt's compensation next. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Well, some of the uh, 80s are weighing in on those opening round playoff road venues. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, if slash when beer sales happen in Lincoln, what do you want on tap? Send an email, chris at alevarsity.com. Uncle Jimbo's already emailed in. And uh, keeping with the vintage collection, Uncle Jimbo says it's got to be Falstaff, Tallboys, or Schlitz. And... God love him. I'm sure Uncle Jimbo spent a night or several at the old Tam O'Shanter back in the day. But I, I think we've got to go to a local station, which has got your Kincader slash Zipline, your your White Elm, your your local brews. Get a corner. Mm-hmm. You need uh, you need to have the full meal deal. That's Miller, Coors, and Budweiser. No Bush. Well, that's under the the, the Bush 
headline. Okay, yeah, because Bush is brewed with corn from America's heartland. Well, I understand that, <laughs> but it's also the latte that uh, some of my, my buddies and my dad's buddies drink uh, and recycle well with. I mean, they could buy a new boat with, uh, with their recycling dollars. And I'm not a Bush-like guy. I don't hate on those that love it. Uh, and then you need your, uh, your international flavor. Which, uh, which means I need, uh, I need uh, a Corona or a Dos Equis or a Modelo or a, not a Guinness, per se, when it's 99 degrees. But there are those Guinness lovers out there. That's all I'm saying. Oh, you, like, need, you, need your, you need everybody represented. And like, if, you wanna, if you want a wheat, like give me a Boulevard wheat. I love ooh. Boulevard wheat or a Shock Top or something like that. See, no, but you, when you mentioned the Corona, though, a Corona with a lime week one, like one of those like 230 kicks, it's 95 degrees inside Memorial Stadium. Give me a Corona with a lime. That sounds lovely. The problem is, though, it's glass. It's a glass mm, bottle. Mm. You, can get, you can get it in the can, but... Just, it put, just put up netting around the field so you can't, can't throw beyond, the balls. You mean, <laughs> you mean beyond, beyond the goalposts? <laughs> you, your Corona drinker, your, your seventh row behind the north end zone. <laughs> so you can't That's hit the field. You, you can't hit the field. Uh, we'll get into beer sales with, with Gary Barnett. But it, it's interesting where Bob Bowlesby weighed in uh, to a question here. And total Big 12 guy. And, and listen, Iowa State plays in cold weather. It's not always warm in Norman or Stillwater or for sure Kansas, right? But he's like, I'm not sure playing in East Lansing. Michigan on July on January seventh is really a good idea. That was in response to Dan Dan Wetzel's question about why using a bowl is the reason versus another neutral site before you get to the semis. Uh, at least you're getting a a home game as a higher seed with this proposal. You're going to get a chance to wail on somebody in your element that you've been dreaming of for years if you're in Nebraska. Hypothetically, you can get a Florida team to come up to Lincoln in December. Been dreaming of that day, that moment. For years, you've been going down there the other way. Uh, Good story in the Journal Star today uh, about Will Bolt, Nebraska. We'll be talking with assistant coach Jeff Christie tomorrow with Husker Baseball. But, you know, what's, what's the, the compensation going to look like for, for Will Bolt after a great second season? And uh, the Journal Star spent some time with Bill Moose getting some, some answers there. And Bill Moose is great at rewarding his coaches, giving bumps to, to the head coach and staff when they've been successful. The reward is there. The reality is this, Will Bolt makes $300,000. Great number, incredible income for Lincoln and the state of Nebraska. But let's be honest, it is not a number that is representative of what he did this first full season. Uh, You need to make, and I don't worry about Bill Moose doing this, but you need to make uh, a, a response and there'll be sit downs here in the near future, you, you got to believe uh, with Will Bolt, his representation, and, and Bill Moose, this is your chance to show the rest of your coaches and your current guy that's really, really good how much you're going to take care of them. I know you've got a new building that's getting funded. I know times have been tight. 
uh, with the pandemic. What you don't want to do, and I again, I don't worry about Bill Moose doing this, but you can't, you can't misstep. You can't lowball. So if you're making three hundred now, Michigan's head coach makes eight hundred thousand, and he's the top dog in the Big Ten. The SEC and the Pac-12, they're not going to jack around or worry about how many zeros are on the offer when you slide the piece of paper across the table. They don't care. They'll pay a million. They have paid a million. What's our friend Pat Casey going to be getting from LSU? A lot. A ton. High-pressure job. Proven champion. He'll get paid. He deserves to get paid, just as an example. So does Will Bolt. So... Do you double him? Do you jump him from 300 to 600? Do you jump him from 300 to, to, to 550? How much do you want, Will? How much do your assistants want? We can't probably go a million, but think about what your coordinators in football are making. It's not a knock. It's just a reality. What, what are your coordinators making in football? What are your assistant coaches making in football? We know those numbers, 400, 500, 800. Your head baseball coach that finished ranked and went to the wire against Arkansas is at 300. Him and his staff need, in my humble opinion, as I count someone else's money, need to at least be doubled. And they're not greedy. They'd probably coach the game for free. That's how much they love it. But you don't want to leave a window or a bad taste of, of not making the appropriate compensation offer here with this first impression, this first chance. you got to take care of him. Hell, if I'm spending money, I, I not only match what – this is probably insane. Again, it's someone else's money. But throw, I mean, throw a dagger out there. Dude, you're better than Michigan. You, with what you have done – now, Michigan just got to the college championships – Okay, let's double him to six six fifty. Nebraska gets to the uh, the the CWS next year or Super Regionals, or follows it up. Tack on a second raise of you know that a boy job well done, uh, where he can be making as much or more, be the highest paid guy in the league. That'll fend off some potential high rollers spenders. And also, what did he do with the mayor? Hoiberg's buyout was insane his first couple of years here. It cost you $10 million <laughs> to, to pry Fred away after year one, right? Say Fred would have killed it in year one, that buyout would have been nuts. You had to make that buyout crazy, like Iowa State did with Coach Campbell. That's, that's your math on this. Double him, double his assistance, keep the band together. Let him do his thing and follow up with another great year. Then bump him again to make that buyout a bear trap to get out of. We'll we'll end hour one here coming up at Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. Buckle up. 
whenever you're going out. Uh, 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of injury, fatal, fatal injury, up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, it'd be cool to uh, expand this alcohol discussion beyond beer and wine. I know a lot of wine drinkers. I, I don't know wine that well, right? I, I ask a buddy if we're out to dinner, and it, it just sounds good with the meal. A lot of times if I go to kind of my favorite Italian restaurant, I'll, I'll order a glass of red. When we go down to Norman and hang with Switzer, uh, I will be purchasing some of Barry's red uh, just as, as a thank you, and I'm sure it's dynamite. But in all honesty, uh, you need... You need your Bloody Mary station, and you, you need your ability to have a little vodka or some Crown, or if you want a whiskey, a whiskey and, dare I say, Pepsi. There's a, there's a large contingent of, of Captain Morgan fans in this state, and if you're a Pepsi poor place like Nebraska is, a, a Diet and Morgan is got to be on the menu. I mean, at least put them in some carts outside the stadium. I mean, you you have food vendors outside the stadium right now. Put some some captain and, and coat guy. Or so captain just Pepsi close Pepsi. close down Stadium Drive. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like they do Canopy Street. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Close, and then, close and then it down with and with the Champions Club. Allow you to. I know you got to kind of have a pass to get into the Champions Club, but you can have a cocktail there. You've always been able to. But this is extra money, but it's just. More, more than, than not, it, it's kind of keeping up with the times. You're, you're past that. People are responsible, all right? And good luck and God bless if you're going to get blasted at a stadium off of booze. That, that is going to cost you on top of what you spend on parking, on top of what you spend on your seats. Keeping up, like, this is, like, Nebraska is so far behind the times of this already. Like, if they were keeping up with the times, they'd put a marijuana lounge in the stadium. See, if that's it, keeping up so, with the so times. So you're telling me, okay, Elijah's <laughs> gone nuclear here. He wants uh, an edible shop. Uh, he wants a gambling kiosk right after you get scanned in. So he wants his, he wants his, his edible, he wants his gambling, <laughs> and, and then he wants his hard alcohol. Just all in 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 succession That's of when you walk <laughs> when you walk into the stadium. It's the big three. <laughs> so what more on, could you on, want? on one hand, you've got edible guy here. Get your edibles here, and then you got your funyun guy selling funyuns <laughs> right behind, right making, behind him, making a killing. <laughs> no longer is it a race to be the guy selling pizza or the runza. It's going to be the guy selling funyuns when edible. I'm kidding, <laughs> but yeah. Just saying think big is what you're doing. Uh, We'll dive into it. Interested to get Gary Barnett's take here because he was in Colorado when they had beer sales. And there's a ton of horror stories we've heard over the years from Nebraska fans when you could drink uh, Coors Banquet beer and and Coors Light in Boulder. Now, uh, the Coors family uh, is thankful to Nebraska fans over the years of uh, drinking Boulder dry, of course, in some of those monumental wins in Boulder where you're 20 minutes away from Golden and they're all out of Coors. Uh, Gary Barnett's next. We'll check in with Chase Androff's high school coach, Ben Burke, next hour. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll check in with the coach, Hall of Famer at Colorado and Northwestern, Gary Barnett with us. Coach, you get out in golf today, or is it too stifling out in Boulder? No, no, we got out and played. It was a good day. Good okay. how? I mean, how many Skittles did we take home? <laughs> you know what? We broke completely even. It was amazing. So it was a good day, though. Good day of golf. Nice day outside. Oh, wonderful. It's a warm 90, day here in Boulder. 96 and sticky here. I know you're concerned. Um, well, well, I really feel, I feel like breaking even is what you tell your wife whenever you lost 100 bucks. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Coach is like, let's move on, you two, you two pukes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Uh, breaking even. That sounds good. So let's dive into the, the college football playoff. Coach, is, you've got uh, the, the, the committee here moving forward. It sounds and looks like by 2023, four uh, teams could uh, magically become 12 where are you at with a number, and do you like the idea of kind of the quarterfinals being on-site options for kind of that opening round? If you get a phone call tomorrow from the playoff committee and they ask what, they ask you your thoughts, you know, what, what are they here? How would you set this up uh, uh, so it, it would be effective? Well, it, it, you know, I'm, I, think, uh, I think 12 is too many. Okay. But, um, you know, that's, you know, I mean, it's, it's getting more like a basketball tournament mm-hmm. now. And I guess if that's what people like and want, then, then that's the way it's going to be. Um, I just don't really think that there's all that many teams right now every year that would qualify to be in the top 12 uh, in a playoff. You know, I mean, it's always the same teams, and everybody thinks maybe this will change it. Maybe it will. Um, you know, I I sort of like the idea of a 16 playoff myself. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I was pretty sure it was going to go that way, but it looks like there's just a lot of pressure now to go to more and more teams. Um, but, uh, you know, I... I I guess we can make 12 work somehow. It'll just be more teams. I think it'll water it down a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, it does give more opportunity. Where are you at with the Pac-12 as far as their ability to kind of get back into this? I know they've been left out the last few years, and SC's not been as strong. Neither is Stanford. Oregon's better, okay, but they were not what they were under chip. So, you go to 12, you're going to probably get your, your Pac-12 champion in. They'll like that. That'll be more eyeballs watching college football. So the TV folks uh, and advertisers will, will like that. You're also going to get thumbs up from folks in the SEC and the Big Ten because not only will you probably get two or could get two, you might have an argument for three. And if you're the Big 12, you could get uh, one in for sure and also a second. But 
with the Pac-12, you know, where are they at in this mix? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, the Pac-12 is going to make a move. I, mean, I think they're going to get better. I think they're going to improve the TV package. I think that I think they're going to be uh, uh, in a position uh, to get some teams in. So, uh, you know, which teams? I'm not sure, Chris. I think that uh, uh, for sure, uh, you know, I think Washington, I think Oregon, and I think SC will be teams that will compete. Uh, and and be able to get in there, but uh, you know you still got to be good enough. I mean, people, uh, you know, you just can't get in there. I mean, you look at the results uh, of the teams that have gone in, and it's and it's pretty much been the same teams that are going to win every year. But like you said, it's going to put more eyes on it, more advertising in it. You know, it may be worth more money. Uh, as the process goes on, but I would rather see everybody else get better. I like to see, uh, like to see the Pac-12 get to the point where they deserve to be one of four, much less one of twelve. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, you know I don't know if that's dumbing it down, but it feels that way to me. Let's just improve the product to where you're going to get in there, uh, rather than you know let's just have more of the average teams in there. So take me through how. How you can kind of knock off the big three? I mean, what what's it what's it going to take? Easier said than done. You obviously, beat them on the field, but you've got just a clinic going on with uh, with coaching, with development, with talent finding their way to Clemson, finding their way to Ohio State, finding their way to Tuscaloosa. Uh, every year, man, they just seem to, to reload. So, how does how does uh, the the other eight or the other six or someone else in, in their league even get better? I mean, how do you, how do you chase down the king? Well, I think, the, the, you know, the horse is out of the barn, Chris, because uh, you just went to a transfer portal. Yeah. You just went to where you're instantly eligible. You just went to a situation where you can um, uh, move around easily, and you're going to make money for doing it. All you did was make those teams even stronger. All you did, I mean, all this, all this process does is make those particular teams have access to more and more. You know, a guy can leave wherever he is and go to Alabama now or go to Clemson, and he can leave after a year. You, you just made it absolutely harder, uh, in my opinion. Now, and of course, uh, you know, I'm not Nostradamus, so I can't tell you everything's going to happen, but it's, it, it just looks like and feels like to me that what we've just allowed to have happen just absolutely uh, made it even easier for those guys to keep control of the playoffs. Coach, I want to talk about the portal and uh, uh, the McCaffrey family uh, in in Colorado. Uh, Luke was at Nebraska, left for Louisville three or four days, and then uh, has left Louisville, and we'll see where he ends up. And, you know, kind of the, the read on things when we played uh, the coach's audio from Louisville was, you know, wasn't it spring ball, came in and, and kind of wanted to start. In your time coaching, either as an assistant or as a head coach, did you have a kid that, that walked in and expected to start, or did he kind of know what was up, i.e., you got to earn the stripes, man, to, to, to take center snaps uh, ahead of time? I mean, kind of take me through that dynamic of, a the the portal and, and B what what coaches are dealing with at quarterbacks. 
Well, you always you always want to be upfront and honest with every kid, and um, I think that when they come in and you know if they don't listen to you and they don't believe you and they think that it's going to be handed to them, then I don't think you did a very good job explaining to them what the situation was and and the obligation you have to the other players that they're joining. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I don't think I ever had anybody. I mean, I think. They had higher expectations uh, coming in, maybe than they should have had. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you always you always run into that a little bit. And then what happens is the system and the other players and the, just the, the the rigor that they go through sort of irons all that out and humbles them. And all of a sudden, they realize you know they're not as good as they thought they were going to be, and they're going to have to work to get to where they want. But that's you know that's got to be uh, something that they're made aware of from the time you start recruiting them until uh, until they get there, and and even after they get there, yeah, you, we always used to say, well, we spent nine months recruiting them, and now we're going to have to spend a whole month and a half or two months de-recruiting them because you got to bring them back down the road. Well, you know, you owe it to every kid on your squad to do that. And, you know, I just think there's probably some communication issues, uh, maybe not hearing exactly what was said, maybe, maybe what was should have been said didn't get said, but somewhere in there is the truth, and we'll probably never know. Coach, it kind of just feels like with this transfer portal and everything changing in college football, we're almost entering a new era of college football. And part of that, I was wondering, you were mentioning how the the Blue Bloods, the Alabamas, the Clemsons are only going to get stronger with this transfer portal. But do you think some of the the old Blue Bloods that have lost some of their glory, the Tennessees, uh, the Nebraskas, uh, even I'd put USC in that category, Texas, uh, do you think these schools are going to be able to improve themselves via the transfer portal in, in that same way? Yeah, I mean, I, I I I don't think it says you can't get there. I just I just think it's they've made it harder um, because you, you know to get there without the portal and to get there with without the uh, uh, names, images, and likenesses uh, change, then you know you you could go land a few guys. You could get a few guys that. Uh, uh, you know, you might beat somebody on a couple of good kids. You might, you know, you might, uh, you know, evaluate really well, and that, and then you could keep them. But now that's going to happen. <laughs> and if you're not operating at a high level, they're going to be able to just pack up and leave and go where they where they want to go. I mean, I, I think it's going to be really hard. On, and what's going to happen is the schools you're talking about now are going to have to go raid. Um, you know, the, the group of five mm-hmm. leagues and players that have shown that they can really play at that level. So it's, you know, somebody's going to poach your guys, you're going to have to go poach somebody else's guys is what it's going to look like to me. Coach, I want to get into to beer sales. Uh, you have Iowa that has expanded their decision from, from premium seating to all of Kinnick Stadium. They'll be able to, to sell beer. What, what's your take on, on beer sales in college football? I know it, it happens in, in most of the Big Ten, still not at Northwestern, not in Nebraska, not in, um, uh, not in Michigan. And when you were in Colorado, I know that there were beer sales and then they had stopped. I think you might have been gone by that. But what's your takeaway? Do, do you care about it? Do you, does it bother you? Are you for it? I mean, what's, what's your stance on it? 
Oh, I would have to say I don't really care about it. Um, you know, it it seemed pretty drastic when they dropped it at Colorado because it was it was a great atmosphere. But well, there was you know there's always issues with it. But there was even more issues I think uh, when they dropped it because then what happens is uh, people would leave at halftime and go outside and not come back, uh, or they would show up real late and uh, tank. And so, you know, I, I think you can probably create sort of the, the moderateness that you you want better if you have the beer sales in the building. So I don't know. I think it's a, it was a lost revenue for uh, all the schools. Uh, I don't think it really ended up being what everybody thought it would be. Well, I mean, and as a coach, I, I didn't really care one way or the other. I think as a student, I would like to have had fur sales. In, you know, I mean, every other venue has them uh, in, in the professional ranks. I, you know, I don't know why. They're allowing gambling now. You can bet on anything. I mean, you can have cannabis in, in half the states or certain states. I mean, what's, what's the big deal? I mean, it doesn't seem like that's a big deal to me. Well, that's that's uh, one proposal where you have your betting kiosk after you get a stiff drink, and then you get some edibles, and then, uh, boom, they turn a little Pink Floyd on, and all of a sudden it's the fourth quarter, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, they're trying to make it a uh, happening and venture at, at, at all those events. So I guess we can make sure it's that way. <laughs> all right, so last question. Gary Barnett's with us. What What's Coach Barnett putting on tap? I'm sorry, me? What, what, do do, what, what do you – you get to choose. What are you putting on tap at Memorial Stadium? Oh, what am I putting on tap? Yeah. Well, you got to have a really good IPA, <laughs> and then uh, you better do Budweiser because my friend Tony's there. Yes, uh, and, and do one of his Budweiser, one of his uh, IPAs on tap, and uh, uh, but you know you got to have, you know, you're gonna have to have a pretty good selection because students are, you know, they're they're picky drinkers anymore. Some, I, I think you got to do some natural light. You got to do natty light. <laughs> That's you know, what they all like anyway. So. Uh, so, so Coach Barnett says you got give Tony a shout out because we're friends with Budweiser. Yeah, absolutely. Keep so going. Yeah, so you got you got Bud Heavy. I said you need your 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 three pillars. Your give me all three. Give me Coors. Give me Bud. Give me Miller. All right. Give me my international flavor where I can get a Corona uh, when it's hot uh, with a lime. Oh, you got to have Corona. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but but Tony's got Corona, so you can do Corona. Okay, and and then give me the the Nebraska Brewers where we've got Zipline, Kincaider, and White Elm. Nebraska makes some really good local beer and uh when it gets to be cold and, and fuzzy uh, i need uh i need a, i need a, a bloody mary station i always had great bloody marys in boulder <laughs> uh, i think we've taken it too far Chris. really really we're, we're, we're stopping short <laughs> of have a tequila stand <laughs> <laughs> i need a tequila stand and a hot tub i mean let's just go all out here let's party well, Party deck this. (laughs) I don't have a hot tub yet. (laughs) I'm working on it. Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, you have a good weekend. Hit him far and straight. And thanks for jumping in with us. All right, Chris. Good being with you. All right. There he is. Gary Barnett with us. Tequila stand. Why not? Body shots. 
Yeah, North end zone body shots. See, you no, know, my uh, my favorite soccer team, Tottenham. They built a new stadium, and the entire length of the field on one end is just—I think it's the longest bar in the world, actually. So the <laughs> so it's like a, a fifty-yard long bar on one end of the uh, stadium. I, I think that that's uh, that's the next move for Nebraska. Put it oh. in that. Put it in that new expansion. The, the Go Big Red. Project. Think about it, man. You got your every time Adrian throws a touchdown pass, it's fireball shots in the south end zone. Oh yes. Oh yes. I'm about it. <laughs> You got to learn to like fireball. <laughs> Just after a birdie, right, Mom? All right, we'll uh, dive in. Recruiting on our mind. Uh, ben Burke, head, head coach of Lakeville South High School in Minnesota. He'll chat about Chase Androff next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some football as... Lakeview South said Coach Ben Burke with us. He's the head coach of Chase Androff, who committed to Nebraska this week. Coach Burke, thanks for jumping in. How's the track meet? We're doing great. It's a hot one out here, but uh, we've got about 16 teams out here for our section championship, and kids are competing, so it's fun to watch. What's the uh, the, the, the percentage or the crossover like with, with your football kids and, and also participating in track or other sports? you have a lot of multi-sport athletes? Yep, we're a program that really promotes multi-sport athletes. You know, Chase won't be in one of those basketball player, football kid. We've got a lot of crossover with our football coaches in the track program and in the baseball program and, and everything else we do. And we'd rather have them be in other sports and to kind of take a rest from focusing on one all the time, uh, especially with football that could get pretty, a lot of contact. So we're trying to push them out into other sports and get some other kind of cross training going. And it's been a helpful part of our program. Coach Burke, what's uh, what's your takeaway with uh, with Chase's recruitment and, and ultimately his decision to attend Nebraska? I always felt there was some pull to Nebraska with Chase, and he had a sister, I think, that was spent some time down in Lincoln, and so I felt like if he would get an opportunity to go there, it'd always be one that would be hard for every other program to compete with, and I think that kind of turned out. But we're super excited for him. He's been a great player for us and this will be his third year being a starter coming up as a senior and so it, it takes a special kid to do that and, and we're just really excited about he chose someone he chose somewhere that we take, we can drive down to and watch him when he gets a little bit older coach you mentioned uh, the three years as a starter for you uh, interested uh, to kind of get your take on 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 chase's improvement his growth and just where he's come you know as as a football player uh, in your time coaching him yeah, you know what? The intelligence factor has always stood out to me for Chase. He's a 4.0 or above kid. However you can manage to do that is, is pretty hard in a school like ours that's, that's heavy on achievement. And so he's always been super intelligent as a football player. And, and really that showed as a sophomore and then as a junior, he had an elevated role and just really kind of took ownership of playing tight end. And he's extremely physical and he's always in the right spots. And that really matters for teams in high school that you don't want to be making mistakes and you want to be in the right spots and then whatever you can do after that is is gravy and he's been a really physical blocker and a and a really important part of our line and always has the threat to throw to him as well so he's kind of the best of both worlds and exactly what Nebraska is looking for at tight end I think. Talking with Coach Ben Burke, the high school coach of the newest Husker commit, Chase Androff. And, Coach, at what point did you know that Chase was going to be something special, someone that might be getting some uh, Division One looks? Um, ever since I you know, saw how tall he was, you know, a lot of with 
the Power Five and, and Big Ten schools, and specifically they want big kids, big, big strong kids. And he's always had the frame, and so the height came along with it. And just being as physical as he was, I thought we we knew we had something special in him. And and along with you know some of the other kids we've been fortunate enough to have lately, you know we've just got some attention in our program. So colleges come to see one guy and then they see another guy and that's kind of how it works and it's been a really good thing what's that like for you with uh colleges different schools stopping by uh as far as just uh being available for for the college coaches and and also being an advocate for your kids yeah it's it's fascinating it's it's an honor you know to kind of represent our kids they work so hard and they're just looking for an opportunity so anytime i can um, get in front of coaches and talk about how great our kids are, specifically here at Lakeville South, has been um, just really fun for me. And then to kind of see them realize their dreams is just is why you coach. You know, you coach to make the kids into good good people and good men later on in their life. And then they're they're chasing opportunities, and so we get to help them realize that. It's just really fun. Talking with Ben Burke, head coach, Lakeville South High School, uh, Chase Androff, the newest commit for Nebraska, tight end for 2022. And uh, Coach Burke, a, a thought here on on some elements of your offense, what you guys like to run, and, and how that matches up with what Coach Frost uh, and company like to do with the, the Husker offense. Well, physical run game, right? Chase brought me a, a hat bat back from Nebraska for his visit, and he said, Coach, you're going to love this hat, and he gave it to me. It says, run the damn ball. Um, and that's kind of how we – kind of brand our offense we want to be a, a physical downhill run first offense and we really committed to that and it's because we have guys like chase we can do it and so the crossover there with nebraska and he's always going to be physical brand of football and i think that's right at what coach frost is looking for and you know they pulled bryce benhart out of here not our school but the lakeville school up the road and so we chase kind of had an eye on that um for a long time but they're a physical run first team too and that's kind of what we try to do up here in Minnesota, and I think it works well in the rest of the Big Ten. Now, Coach, can you tell me a little bit about, about just the, the kids' opinions on Nebraska up in Minnesota right now? I mean, it feels like every year there's, there's a kid or two coming down from Minnesota down into the, uh, the Huskers recruiting class. So what, what's it like? Are most of the kids up there Minnesota fans, Notre Dame fans? Like, what, what, just who are they supporting uh, through high school? You know, I think there's always loyalty to the University of Minnesota. You know, I'm, I'm not an original Minnesota person, so... I don't have that in me, but I can see that, the, that a lot of the kids do. But honestly, they're looking for a place that fits kind of their personality. And every program in the Big Ten, I feel like, has a little bit variation of kind of who they are and their culture. And Nebraska has theirs. And the legacy down that the Cornhuskers have is, is something that a lot of kids up here look at and say, man, that's not something I've ever seen, and that's really cool. And then they go down there and, and see Lincoln and everything that has to offer for that town. And and it's really cool, and I just think that you know, the small-town kind of college atmosphere, a lot of kids just want to go and be focused on football, and they get the opportunity to do that at somewhere like Nebraska. That's a really appealing thing. When you've looked at Chase and watched a little of his film, and he did such a great job for you, uh, sealing that edge, uh, point of attack, and then also uh, being able to climb up and get some of the outside backers, and then even downfield, uh, kind of leading the convoy with the run game. Uh, you know, wh- where has he really made a jump, in your opinion, or has he always been pretty high level uh, when it comes to that point of attack, his physicality? I think being able to take on defensive ends one on one. You know, I think uh, 
in our league, usually defenses put their best player over the tight end because everybody seems like they play with the tight end and they're running towards the tight end all the time. And, and so Chase has grown from being a player that needs to have a tackle next to him to double team down to a player that we can say, hey, we can we can leave the tackle by himself on a weaker block and let Chase take care of a good guy one-on-one, and we know he's going to do it. And so we'll, we're anticipating seeing that a lot this coming year with with him being kind of our stud and our setting the edge on our strong side. And so we'll watch other teams kind of line up their best player on him, but we don't have any any doubts that he's going to take care of a guy one-on-one. And that's been kind of the big growth for him from being a sophomore to now into his senior year. We're just going to totally give that trust to him to be able to take care of business. Now, Coach, there's not many players out there that are college-ready whenever they step on campus. So so what is he still working on uh, through this next year before he comes to Nebraska uh, to get himself a little bit more ready for college? I think any time a kid comes out of our offense at a skilled position that goes into a college offense, like they're going to have to learn more of what the pass game is. Mm-hmm. We, we throw it maybe eight to ten times a game, and we're not running a ton of routes with our guys. And so for a guy like him, he'll play in line as a tight end. They'll be able to move him out to a wide receiver or flex him out a little bit as a tight end or even maybe put him in the back as an H-back. He's just going to have to be more versatile. And we ask him to do a handful of things, and he does all those things really well for us. I think that's where Coach Frost and everybody else sees that potential as a physical blocker, but there's other things that they got to do in college. And so some of that stuff will be new, and he'll just have to kind of pick that up on the fly. But I feel like the tight end room down there is full of pretty good guys, and so he's got a lot of really good teammates to mentor and kind of teach him so we're excited about what he's going to do down there so do you just crush teams off play action i mean as much as you run the football you go heavy a lot you have multiple backs in the backfield you're just grounding and pounding and wearing down but uh is your play action game uh, pretty lethal and is chase a part of that yeah yeah you hit it on the head man we we're gonna run the ball you know eight plays in a row and then the safeties are going to start creeping up, and teams that play against us have to have corners that are going to be ready to tackle, and those kids don't always want to do that. And so we kind of lull them to sleep, and then we throw play action, and and, a lot, and every every time we throw play action, there's a tight end kind of running a corner route or running a drag route, and so Chase has those opportunities to kind of jump up and elevate over people, and that's kind of how we do it. And we're, we're going to misdirection and go one way and then boot back away with the, with the play action, and Usually there's somebody standing wide open. It's my kind of offense, my man. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's, did you run any option with it, or is it just kind of more straight handoff, handoff game? I mean, how, how multiple do you get with your run game? We're, we're pretty multiple in the fact that a lot of it's misdirection. We're not really optioning people. It's, it's kind of on the coach um, who's calling the plays to kind of say, who, with, you know, what is the defense giving us? And then, mm-hmm. From there, we we make a lot of simple things look complicated with the with the backfield action. So we're running three or four variations of five or six plays, and just depends on what defenses are doing. And it's it, it's physical and it's misdirection at the same time because because you said that there's three backs in the backfield pretty much every play. Mm-hmm. So one of those guys has the ball, and if that guy and one of those guys doesn't, the quarterback does, and he's either running or throwing. And so it gets pretty. It gets pretty fun to run if you're if things are working well and defenses are struggling to pick up where the ball is. But for the most part, we're kind of right at you, and and we are who we are. And and teams just have to. We are we're the only team that runs the offense that we run in the conference that we run in. So it's usually something new, and it's tough to prepare for in a week. 
for other teams, and so I think we get an advantage with that. Ben Burke's with us, uh, Lakeville South head coach Chase Handroff, uh, the player for him, tight end commit to Nebraska. Last thought real quick, Coach, the, the coldest game you've coached in up in Minnesota, and does your team wear sleeves? <laughs> That's a great question. So our, when Chase was a sophomore, we played the section championship game the second week of November, and it was a 7 p.m. game, oh, and it was up in the northern part of the Twin Cities area, and there was like a negative 17-degree wind chill. And we're playing a spread offense that, uh, that got, got, their, got to the point in their season throwing the ball. And like I said, we, run, we, didn't, we threw one pass that game. And it was incomplete, and uh, so it was. It was the coldest I've ever been in my life, um, not being somebody from Minnesota. Um, but yes, we wear we wear sleeves. Um, some guys do, some guys don't. Um, we do a really good job keeping our sideline warm. Sure, uh, we've got a great committed coaching staff, so we're we're going to try to maximize every little advantage we can have. And in a game like that, where it's just wind blowing, like I had the Vaseline on my cheeks and stuff, and it was <laughs> it was insane. And, it just goes back to having to be tough and physical, and it's all connected to the things that we do. And I think it's the reason why teams love Chase is that he's willing to go out and battle in weather like that no matter what, and he gets the job done. Coach, it was great to spend a few minutes with you. Thanks for the time, and we'll do this again. I appreciate it. Go Huskers. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Burke's Best Bets, the pride of Chicago, back with this Daddy Burke. His show, Rush Hour, on the VEASAN Sports Network. Maybe you caught some of Daddy's work on Twitter with the headset on in front of the TV camera at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, how's the week? Maybe it's going good, my man. You know, just rolling here with some uh, Stanley Cup playoff NBA postseason and, you know, typical MLB here throughout the summer. And uh, we're finally getting the good weather here in Chi City, so can't complain. You are going to be on, uh, you know, Lake Michigan, or you'll be at your summer cottage in Wisconsin, or or maybe you'll just find your way to the bleachers in Wrigley. But uh, you're, uh, you're all over it. I want to get your take here on some NBA some uh, some big uh, big game three tonight for Milwaukee as uh, the Nets go in up two nothing without the beard. It hasn't mattered. Also, game two of the Clippers and Jazz. Yeah, you know, Smitty, looking at these games, I mean, in in terms of the spread and then just money line total, I I didn't play anything officially. I do have some leans. I mean, with this Brooklyn and Milwaukee one, I mean, look, James Harden has virtually been out this whole series already, right? It's been mm. absolute dominance series from Brooklyn as of this point, and I get why, you know, a little bit of the attention is going toward Milwaukee. They're three and a half, even up to four in some spots, but, you know, I, I, there's no way I would want to put my hard-earned money on this Milwaukee team, because one, I thought they've been overrated this whole season, and two, what have you seen from them that would warrant you putting a bet on them? I get it, that it's virtually a must-win situation, first game at home, and a lot of times that's kind of how the wind blows in these type of formats, but there's just no way, especially the, with the fact that it's three and the hook. So, if anything, I would only be taking the points with Brooklyn. And, look, Milwaukee could be a classic game where they go out there and roll. That's why I'm staying away from it. Probably going to be in-gaming, if anything. Uh, If you could get a good opportunity with Brooklyn at a higher line, if Milwaukee does get out to a hot lead. Uh, Total hasn't moved too much. Probably not going to be touching that. In terms of the Clippers and then the Jazz, I think there's a little bit of value here on Los Angeles, if anything. It's going down to about 2.5, but 3 is where it opened at. 
The over is getting some love as well, so I'd probably look in that direction over 223. But look, Los Angeles had such a poor shooting performance, Schmitty. I mean, Paul George was abysmal, and he still ended up with 20 points. Kawhi didn't really even get going consistently throughout that whole game. So, you know, coming off that seven-game series, Utah had a lot of rest. I think it'll be more even keel and that the Clippers will have more opportunities. Again, not playing this one officially, but I lean toward the Clippers in this spot. But I do have a couple props that uh, for some of these games. For example, with uh, the Clippers and Jazz one, I'm doing Rajon Rondo. Now, this one was only available at Bet Rivers that I saw for anyone out there. You know, if you could get it at whatever book you're available at. Um, assists. His number was three and a half, which to me was incredibly low. And I did play the over, which, you know, full disclosure is minus 175, which is a bunch to lay. I understand that. But for me, if you have enough conviction with a prop, you have to be willing to lay enough to play it. And Ronald's gone over three and a half assists, Schmitty, in two, uh, 22 out of the last 24 games with the Clippers. And in game one, he racked up six assists in 28 minutes played. The only two games he didn't go over, uh, that was in the first round against the Mavericks, and he only played in 10 minutes in each of those games. So if you can get a full you know, performance and 20-minute uh, outlook for Rondo, I like over three and a half despite lane minus 175. And then in the earlier game, Kyrie Irving, one of my favorite players, but his numbers posted at 28 and a half. I think that's a bit too high. He was averaging 24 this season. 23 and a half in the first two games against the Bucks so far, and 26 against the Bucks in four games overall this year. I played under at minus 125, so he stayed under this mark the last eight out of ten games. And if you're kind of on the side that the Bucks may be playing better, then Kyrie might not have as good of a game. KD's going to do his thing. Kyrie will probably get mid 20s, but I think 28 and a half is, is just a tad bit too high. So I played the under on that spot. Danny Burke with us, Burke's best bets, Pride of Chicago, Veasan Sports Network with uh, Brent Musburger, and his show Rush Hour six to seven Central across uh, the nation and uh, iHeart Media. Danny, any feel here, real quick, with the Sixers in Atlanta or Phoenix in Denver? So with this series, what I did actually pre-series for the Suns. Um, I laid the series spread minus one and a half, meaning that I need Phoenix to sweep, win in five, or win in six. And, you know, honestly, honestly, it's just been a dominant performance from them, too, right? And I don't have as much faith in them going to Denver. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets pull that one out. The Sixers game is tricky because I have the Sixers to win the East, and I did bet them after game one to win the series because it was just a complete overreaction based on what happened in game one. Now, you have to remember that DeAndre Hunter is out for the postseason. I think this one, you know, it's better to just stay away or you bet Atlanta, honestly. And so for me, it would be in the sense of I'm going to go in-game and look to bet the Sixers at some point, or I'm just staying away because I want the Sixers to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks pull this one out. But if the Sixers can play good defensively and get out to a hot start again, that's the key to their success. If not, then they're going to have to be playing catch-up. And against Trey Young, that's a tough task to do. You are running from this uh, game six with the Avs and, and Golden Knights. I, so, you know, it was funny. I bet the last game with the Avalanche committee, and I just can't believe they didn't end up winning that game. I mean, the amount of chances they had in the third period were ridiculous, and they were up too low going into the third. But I wasn't too mad because I have a future on the Golden Knights, 9-1 to <laughs> to win the Cup, and now, you know, they're like plus 175. And if they can get past the Avalanche, who have been touted as the number one team for the past two, three months, and I'll be feeling pretty good about that. So, you know, I'm rooting for VGK. I'm not going to be playing it, but I am hoping that the Golden Knights get the job done. I mean, the momentum swung toward them after Game 4, and honestly, if the Avalanche didn't win the last game, 
going back to Sin City in an environment where the Golden Knights thrive, I think it's got to be BGK tonight. Pretty tough. Pretty tough uh, duty for the Avs. They are loaded, but should be incredible tonight. All right, Danny, a couple of minutes here. Some baseball thoughts as we inch closer towards uh, July. What are you feeling today or maybe this weekend for MLB? Yeah, so I'm playing the Oakland A's tonight against the Royals. Look, the A's have won two in a row. They are both against the Diamondbacks, but they're averaging five runs per game uh, in this nice span that they've had. Um, And the Royals, you know, they've lost five consecutive games. They're averaging two in that span. And you're getting Mike Miner, the southpaw, on the bump for the Royals. It's an okay, I mean, a 4.84 ERA, but then you look at his exit, which is a true indicator, is at 4.08. Then you got Frankie Montas. He's a little bit volatile, but he's been better as of late for the A's. And, you know, Oakland's got a better bullpen than Kansas City, not by much, but enough to warrant me to have a little bit more trust in them. Against lefties, the A's are the 10th best team against Southpaws offensively this season, 753 OPS. I like the momentum that Oakland has. The line's been moving in their favor, 133 up to about. Uh, minus 150 in some spots. I think I got minus 148. But, yeah, I like Oakland to continue to cruise here against the slump in Kansas City squad. You know, any value on some underdogs? I know Tampa's been hot. Uh, They're playing solid baseball. The White Sox have separated just a bit. Uh, Oakland a slim lead over the Cheaters. And uh, you've got New York over Atlanta. Do you like your Cubs? About 30 seconds. I know they're up a half game right now on Milwaukee. Hey, how about it, Schmitty? Yeah, the Cubs are red hot. And look, I tried to fade them the other night, and they beat the Padres. So I, I've been pleasantly surprised. And I will be at the game Saturday night in the left field bleachers, my man. So uh, give a look out for your boy, and uh, hopefully we get a dub. Because since I'm at the game, i got to bet on the home squad. You do. And uh, do you have your own little velvet roped section in left field, or are you, are you still a man of the people? Uh, still a man of the people. You know how we are, Smitty. we got to get you out to a game that would take you to the bleachers so you can experience it, my friend. Last time I was in the bleachers, dear old dad uh, boxed somebody out for an Andre Dawson home run ball, and it was a party, man. It was good. Exactly. <laughs> well, we'll find our way uh, sometime soon. Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago, Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, and his show, Rush Hour. Catch that on iHeartMedia or uh, where uh, affiliates provide. Daddy, have a good week. Thank you. You too, sweetie. Take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, big thanks to Gary Barnett, Parker Gabriel, and... Of course, uh, the coach for Chase Androff, Ben Burke. Danny Burke there with your best bets. We say hi to Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Deb, I know you got the hot tubs for the winter and fall, but I tell you what, you've got some, some chill tubs, some cold tubs for this heat and stickiness here in June. How are you? That is exactly right, Chris, and that's the plan. The plan for me this weekend is turn that temperature down in the swim spa, get my floaty lounge out, and just lay around and enjoy the sun and the heat, but in a cool, cooled-down hot tub. And that's the best part about a hot tub or even a swim spa, for sure, rather than a swimming pool that you have to close up after three months. 
you use the swim spa year-round. You just adjust the temperature and enjoy it as a pool, as a workout, as a, you know, just relaxation. So really, all seasons, it is awesome. You know what? It, it is really the choice, and it does not go away with the weather changing. Mm-hmm. And you have a swim spa folks can come by and see and check out. I've got a picture of you in the swim spa. It looks like... Well, it looks like we're in uh, on Lake Michigan, quite honestly, in the middle. Like It's huge. It's giant, but it's not People, too big. I look like a, a fly or a bug <laughs> in there because they are. Until you've seen one in person, it is hard to imagine how how wonderful and nice they are. They are. You can get them in uh, the six foot or the five foot uh, version, mm-hmm. or you can go a little bit shallower. But you know, most everybody gets the uh, the five foot because they want to be able to swim in it, stand in it. Not everybody is five feet tall like me. They're a little (laughs) taller, most of them. Well, those swim spas are incredible, and uh, the the selections there, if a swim spa is something that you might like, but you know what, you want to do the eight-seater or the two-seater, or you have somewhere in between, you have a, a whole variety of selections, don't you? Yeah, we really do, and you just really need to come in and see us. Don't wait any longer. I have people coming in, and they say, oh, I was in here a few months ago looking, and I thought, if you'd have just got it then, you would have had it by now. So don't wait. Just come in and see us and get your name on one. Let us get one ordered, and the time will fly by, and before you know it, we'll be delivering it. Deb, the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Deb, if folks want to come see you and get that, uh, that swim spa or that perfect hot tub spa, how do they do it, and what are the hours folks can visit? Well, we're open 10 to 6 Monday through Friday and 10 to 4 on Saturday but 24-7 on our website, that's spasonline.com. Deb, we'll see you soon. Thanks for uh, checking in today. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, get that thing turned down and just give the middle finger to humidity. Oh, I've started. So I've been going out and doing uh, morning workouts, and I've been coming home to a nice cold shower, and I've been really enjoying it. Abs or golden nights tonight? Oh, abs. Please, please, God, you are, you are crossing both fingers. Jeff Christie tomorrow, Bill Dolman tomorrow, uh, maybe a surprise tomorrow. Talk to you at four. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.